Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. You can find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. We're also on BitChute and Rumble. Got kicked off YouTube, so you won't find me there. And uh, I've got four other podcasts along with my coach and bio that link forward slash podcaster. My guest today, former frontline agent and senior leader in the US Border Patrol. So I'm looking forward to this because it's a touchy subject at the moment. Please welcome JJ Carroll. Thank you very much for having me. It's a very important topic here in America and across the world, but uh, in particularly in the United States. So I'm very excited to, to speak to you today about it. Yeah. So I suppose, I mean, we know you're kind of border control. That was a privilege. You might just kind of let the listeners know a little bit more about you. Yes. Um, I, I'm a 24-year veteran from the United States Border Patrol. Um, I have a very unique perspective on what is uh, occurring on the border right now. Uh, because I was a frontline agent down on the Tijuana-San Diego border during the most violent times uh, in recent history, I did that for a decade, and then I started making my way up through uh, promotions up to uh, leadership positions, and then I retired as a deputy patrol agent in charge of a station in northern San Diego. So my perspective is from a guy that's been down in the trenches and working it, uh, running task force, small units to large units, and then being a 30,000 foot view of being being the front line of policy and and laws and and um, strategic planning as far as manpower, resources, um, law enforcement postures. So I, I understand what is happening uh, within the political realm of the DHS and, and CBP and ICE and, and the Border Patrol all the way down. So um, I'm not a, I think it's also important to say that I'm not disgruntled uh, federal employee. In fact, I'm very proud of my career. I'm very proud of the people, men and women that I worked with throughout my 24 year career. So I'm not, this is not somebody that's coming on podcast and railing against the government because I'm, I'm angry, a union agitator or like that. I am very proud uh, of my career and what we do on the border patrol, and what we continue to do. However, um, there is no rational explanation other than this is the intentional destruction of the American immigration system by our own government. And I'm looking forward to this opportunity to talk to you in this long form interview to be able to articulate uh, my views and the only rational explanation for what is transpiring today. Okay, well, brilliant. So I suppose let's kind of go back first and you might let people know how it was done before and also some of the kind of, because I, I know it, like it can get violent and dangerous and everything. You might kind of tell some of the stories that you've kind of experienced when it was in your working better than the current situation for for my 24 year career um the first 20 20 years of it we were losing constantly uh and that's because our federal government never wants to secure the border because there's too much wealth and power associated with the uh transfer of migrants from one cent, one part of the, the world to the other, meaning everyone that's coming to the United States right now and has been, are they're illiterate in their own language. They cannot speak English. They do not share or understand any of our values, our morals, a way of government. So they've never wanted to stop. It's always been piecemeal. The, so when we go back to when I first started, uh, was under President Clinton and President Bush 
toward those years when I was in that decade or so in Imperial Beach Station, which bordered uh, right on to Tijuana, very violent Mexican city. The two most violent cities on the border is, is Juarez that borders Texas and, and Tijuana that borders uh, San Diego, California. Um, the daily events were, if, if you can understand on the Western region of the United States, whenever an individual that was illegally in our country and committed a crime, well, after they did their time back then, not now, back then, ICE, which was then Immigration Nationality Service, which is the INS, would go to the prisons, both state, local, and federal, remove these illegal aliens as they finished their terms and deport them down to Tijuana. And that was where they port, deport them through San Isidro Port of Entry. My unit, my, my station was right next to San Isidro Port of Entry. So every day, hundreds of people were deported, repatriated to their country, Mexico. And they were all gang members, rapists, murderers, sexual, sexual predators, drug dealers, you name it, they were there. And then they would cross the border right, into, right to where I worked. So every single day, and I worked swing shift to midnight shift, so it was always at nighttime. Every single day, fights. Every single day, uh, brutal, brutal beatings on the south side, degradation, beaten up. The smugglers would beat all their, their um, pollos. That's their term they use for the people they're smuggling. So there were shootings, fights, knives, everything you can imagine. As a young man, as crazy as, as this sound, it was, it was exhilarating. Um, it was a world of um, hopelessness, uh, degradation, violence ruled everything. Um, and men like myself that were paid to do that job to keep, which we called them savages, to keep these rapists and murderers and savages out of our nation, we would fight them every single day. Uh, and as a young man, it was exhilarating. It was, um, I was proud of what I was doing because I knew that 99.9% .9 of the other Americans could never do what my partners and I did down on the border. Um, and then you fast forward to President Trump and it doesn't matter if you like him, you don't like his tweets, you think he's crude, whatever. I love President Trump because President Trump was the greatest president, border president in the history of the United States of America. He took a, a chaotic, violent, uh, disorganized border and shut it down. I, people have a hard time to understand this because right now we are, we are bringing in millions, not hundreds of thousands, we're bringing in millions of people every year under President Biden and it's utter chaos down there. So when I say this, people are shocked, but we were within six to nine months of the second term of President Trump being in office to securing the border completely. Absolutely, completely. There was, for the first time in my career in the United States Border Patrol, we were winning. People were not crossing the border. He had the border almost locked down. Like I said, six to nine months, he would have the wall completed. And then his pressure on the Northern Triangle countries of El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras with Mexico, he had them step into what he wanted. And we had the border under control. Now it's utter chaos. There is violence and sexual uh, depravity going on on the border, south side and north side. That is, if the general people public knew, they would be frightened out of their mind. Um, and we are we are susceptible as a nation 
to foreign actors. And it is happening and we are beginning to see the manifestation of this intentional destruction of our immigration system. So back in the day, Roy, it was, um, those were insane times. It was like, I try to tell people, it was like playing hide and seek uh, in the pitch dark, knowing that there was gonna be absolute violence every single day that you went to work. And like when people were coming in through the border before, obviously the people that were organizing it, you know, but the, the helpless victims, let's call them, when they're caught, what was done before and what's kind of done now with them? Are they just sent back or what's actually the, the process? Well, we had multiple avenues. We had voluntary returns. So if somebody came and they, we ran through our database and they were non-criminal, we would offer them the chance to go right back to Mexico or wherever they were going, Honduras, Guatemala. Um, and then we would send them right back. If they were, quote, prior deports, meaning they've already been through the system, saw the immigration judge, were deported, we had a mechanism called the reinstatement of a prior order of removal, which they would not get to see the judge, and we would immediately reinstate that prior deportation and send them back. If they were criminals, we would set them up for criminal prosecution. So a lot of times, let's say that, that I arrested a guy that was a serial rapist or a murderer or whatever, he would go to jail. Let's say he got caught in Seattle, Washington, uh, and was convicted and sent time for rape. After five, seven, 10, 15 years, he would be repatriated to Guatemala, Mexico, whatever. And he would try to re-entry into America because he's not going to stay down there. He doesn't know anything down there. He's going to come back to America. I catch him again. He's an automatic, it's called an aggravated 1326. I process him for a criminal case which he'll go before the, a criminal judge and be resentenced for crossing into the United States as a felon. So there was order. There was, it, we didn't have all the manpower and technology and money that we needed. And we didn't have the backing of our government, but we had systems in place that when people came across, they knew if they were arrested, they most likely, big, big majority of them were all going back to America. Asylum claims um, were non-existent. In my 24 years, I maybe saw two or three people that claimed asylum. That's it, because you have to claim asylum through the ports of entry or the United States embassies in your home country. All that's gone. Right now, you have our Secretary Mayorkas of, of Department of Homeland Security through, through uh, Joe Biden has removed everything. So those individuals that come across are now strictly released. Everyone is released. So now we're not arresting. I would, back in my time, I would say 80, 85% of everyone crossing the border were Mexicans, Mexican nationals. And then you had Guatemalans, El Salvadorians, Hondurans. Every now and then you get a Russian or, or so we call them exotic, someone from a weird place. Now, out of 195 countries in, in, on the world, 175 nations are represented in our, in our arrest data. So the whole world is now coming to America. And when I say everyone is being released, Roy, I'm telling you, this is not an exaggeration. High 90% of everyone arrested, they're not even running now. They're just crossing the border with their luggage and sitting there. We're bringing them in the station, we're processing them, and then we're releasing them to uh, non-governmental organizations, NGOs, 
or we're called street releasing. We're releasing. So our numbers, daily arrest numbers, range anywhere from like seven to 9,000 a day. Seven to 9,000 a day. That's over 3 million a year. 3 million people are being released into our society every year. We have no idea who they are. On top of that, Roy, because we have diverted all of our Border Patrol resources that are law enforcement personnel to do processing, transporting, uh, babysitting, everything you can imagine. There are hundreds of miles of the border where there's not one single Border Patrol agent patrolling. Not one. So we have in the United States of America, we have a nation that is unprotected. The drug cartels run everything. They run all the human smuggling and they run all the narcotics. So it is chaotic. I don't know uh, how to effectively articulate exactly what has happened. Let me give you an antidote of try to give you an idea of the insanity that we're involved in. For several weeks in Imperial Beach Station, Imperial Beach goes to the southwesternmost point of the United States by the Pacific Ocean, goes six miles east to the San Jacinto Port of Entry. Within those six miles, the cartels used only two miles of it. And in two miles of it, they were pouring over thousands of single adult military age men from the continent of Africa, from nations of hotbed terrorists, the Sudan, Somalia, Nigeria, uh, Cameroon, you name it, they're there every single day. There was a thousand to two thousand single adult males living in America because the Border Patrol could not get them arrested, detained, and transported into our station. So they would cross the border and they would live in hooches in encamp homeless encampments in America. Every day, the Border Patrol would take six to seven hundred of them and transport and process them. Every single day for weeks on end, at least 50 of them, every 24 hours, 50 of those men out of the 600 were found to have terrorist organizational ties. Of those 50, five of them were confirmed terrorists, five. So we were allowing into our nation tens every day of terrorists. Those are what we know because Roy, the, the lie that DHS, like I told you, we put people through the database and we run them through FBI and the criminal database and, and have you been deported by, by the Border Patrol and we'll literally see it. It's called red bars. They come up on the screen as a red bar. And when Mayorkas and, and our government says, well, they've all been vetted. No, they haven't because the database we're checking is for crimes in the United States of America. I have thousands of men military age men from China, from all the terrorist hotspots throughout the world are coming in and we're checking their database into the US and we're all clapping going, well, they've been vetted. So there's, there's no international database. No, that, well. no. So, so that's my point. So it's a lie. So if, if, if I'm from Sudan and I'm a terrorist in Sudan, but I've never been to America. My first time in America is jumping the border fence and squatting with all of my, my other terrorist friends. And we sit there and they roll my fingerprints in a database. I'm not checking the Sudan's database. Hell, I don't even know if Sudan has an electronic database, right? It's a war-torn country. So we have no idea who we're allowing in. I'm telling you from a personal, excuse me, from a professional experience that we have thousands of terrorists in our nation.
thousands, and they're just waiting for their call. And we've done this to ourselves. Our government has intentionally destroyed Americans' immigration system, I believe, for a complete great reset. There's a, there's a total demographic shift in America that's happening. Um, it's not a racist or ethnic uh, discussion. It's a citizen versus non-citizen discussion. And that is what's happening right now. And our demographics are flipping upside down. And no country, it doesn't matter what your feelings are. Or I don't really care about people's feelings or beliefs. Data is data. And when does one country decide to replace all of their citizens with non-citizens? I can't imagine anyone from Ireland, Poland, Mexico, it's, Guatemala. It's actually or, happening in the UK, in Ireland. And what's yes, happening is. is the people that are coming in aren't women and children from kind of no. worn, torn areas. They're military men. Yes. And they're putting them in hostels and stuff like that. While our own people are living on the streets. And what I've heard, because I mean, we know of this kind of agenda 2030 and everything. Because when they want to introduce martial law, this is the kind of thought and it's making sense. Our own military, like say, if you were told to do this, you won't turn on your own people, whereas they don't care. Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll do the instructions that's given to them. And it's, yes. it's slowly but surely everywhere has been filling up with a lot of people from other countries while our own suffer. Well, Roy, I agree with you 100% because when you step back like, you know, you know, when you're in the middle of chaos, sometimes you can't see really what's happening. You have to kind of force yourself to back up and kind of get a, a big view of the world. Every Western nation is doing exactly what the United States of America is doing. They're bringing in millions of people into their nations from the southern continents that are poor, destitute, and they're bringing it up. It's not a theory that I came up with. I always tell people they're the elites and the politicians don't hide it. They're very arrogant. They tell you straight out, this is what we're doing. They go to Davos and they have these meetings and they say, this is the great reset. And the way that they're doing the great reset is they are through immigration. Now I always say this because, and I have conversations like this daily. And my question always is if my theory is wrong, that this is being done intentionally. And I lay out all, the, I, I lay out the whole landscape of how they're doing it. And like down in the minutia, this is how they're doing it. This is how they're manipulating immigration law and policy. And my question always is, if I am wrong, then tell me a rational explanation of why this is happening. Why would a nation, no matter what country it is, why would a nation bring in tens of millions of illegal aliens into your nation that are dependent on the government, that have no resources, tell me how that benefits a nation. And I sit here in stone silence because no one can answer me, right? Because we know that the, and then you have to ask a very important question. Well, is it because our government is incompetent? No, no. Secretary Mayorkas, who is the tip of the spear on everything that happens immigration wise in America, highly, highly intelligent man. He does not, he's not prone to mistakes or verbal gaffes. He's very intelligent. I've and actually seen he, him being grilled by the Senate. He's slimy, but intelligent. Slimy. I mean, you, yeah, he's slimy. But he's but he's strategic, right? Yeah. He's yeah. not a dummy. And when you look at his you look at his work resume, highly, he was one of the highest rising young US attorneys in America. He's a Cuban immigrant. 
uh, his education is off the chart, was one of the youngest U.S. attorneys, became the director of USCIS, which is uh, handles all um, a lot of the, the naturalization, green cards, all kinds of stuff. And it it's a huge, uh, very important um, job in America under immigration. He ran that. He created DACA. He created the prosecutorial discretion. Then he became the deputy deputy secretary under Obama. Then he became the, the director under the secretary, excuse me, uh, under DHS, under Biden. So this man's been around forever. Um, I think as an American, I am, uh, I'm saddened and I have great fear for our nation. And I am a realist. I'm not a, a, a very dramatic or, you know, trying to make things bigger than they are. I see clearly what is happening and I'm seeing the manifestations of this mass illegal immigration into our nation. And there is no good outcome, Roy, none. Like Absolutely you have none. seen the millions that have come across. And like you mentioned earlier, a lot of them don't have the language. And I presume the people traffic them or abuse them. I know about the children being abused. But when the people actually get into a city, like what are they doing? Is there places that are actually trying to find them jobs? Are they housing them? Or are they just kind of just throw them, throw them to the cities? What's the actual place? What, okay. what exactly is happening with all these people? Okay, so that's a great question. So let's take New York City, for example. New York City, 8.5 million people, one of the most diverse cities probably in the world, right? We can all agree to that. There's now 70,000 illegal aliens living in New York City, okay? Those 70,000 are housed in over half of New York City's hotels. You, you mentioned this earlier, uh, what's happening in Europe. In America, we, our shelters, homeless shelters are, they're disgusting. They are crime ridden, um, they're inhabitable, but they're at breaking at the seams. So we are kicking US citizens out of homeless shelters because they're overcrowded and they're sleeping on the streets while we house illegal aliens in three and four star hotels with room service, cable TV, they don't leave. So you ask, what do they do? The, the, big, the big lie is they're, they're the greatest workers. They're the hardest workers. No, actually they're not. They don't work. They sit around, which there's reports every day of the hotels being destroyed. The men, which are all mainly single adult men, very few family units now, and they're living in these hotels and they're just smoking dope, doing drugs, drinking all day and all night. That's all that's happening. So when you say, are they getting jobs? No, they're not getting jobs. They're just hanging out. And why would you, Roy? If you're an immigrant that lived in dirt huts and, and tin sheds down in Guatemala or Cameroon, and you come to America and those stupid Americans put you in a four-star hotel with three meals a day and cable TV, why would you leave? And they don't, but then they, here's where the, this is where the rub is, Roy. Sooner than later, the money's gonna run out. And we're already seeing it right now in New York City. New York City claims to be a state of emergency now. They're losing $4.3 billion a year. It costs $5 million a day to house and close these illegal aliens. They're busting up, their social services are destroyed. This is New York City. We're talking about 
less than a thousandth of a percent of their total population brought them to their knees. 70,000, not 700,000 or 7 million, 70,000 brought them to their knees. In fact, when they hit 15,000 illegal aliens in New York City, they claimed a state of emergency of 15,000. Now we're at 70. So when you say, well, what are they doing? They're just hanging out. They're just hanging out. So what does, here's, here's the, Here's the big, big picture, and you're seeing this in Europe. Europe has no-go zones. They have places where the police won't go. They have, you have cities in, in, in Europe that are on fire from protests, blah, blah, blah. And that's because these liberal leftists welcome in these migrants, shower them with love and kindness and food and, and hotels and clothes, and then it runs out. And then those men are kicked to the curb to bring in more immigrants to take those hotels because you are supposed to be resettled. Now we have millions of single adult military age men that have no job or they're, or they're working slave labor jobs. They have their meager existence. Their homes are horrible, living four, fives, 10 guys to a room. They're hungry, they're tired and they're angry because they're looking up at the same people that told them that they were gonna give them everything and they're not getting anything. And now they're angry. And now that's the manifestation. We're seeing that in Europe. I tell my friends here, you think this is not gonna happen? It's happening in Europe it's, and it's happening in America. They revolted in New York about a month ago when Mayor Adams from New York City said, well, all you single adult males, we're gonna put you in a terminal down at, the, uh, at one of the harbors there. And they were like, hell no, I'm not going. I'm staying right here. This is a beautiful hotel. I'm not leaving. And they wouldn't leave, Roy. That's what we're looking at in America. So when you ask me, what are the NGOs doing? The NGOs are, are corrupt religious organizations making millions of dollars off the federal government to, to resettle refugees. But no one's working. They're, they don't, they're not going to work when you give them the equivalent of thousands of dollars a day to live. Some of these hotels are almost $400 a night in, in room services, at least $75 to $100 a meal in New York City. So you got three meals at, let's say, $250. I'm charging $350 for a hotel. We're right now, just for one man, we're at $600 before we even started talking about medicine and, and everything else. Per person, times thousands, hundreds, hundreds of thousands, millions. It can't sustain itself. That's unbelievable. And because I've been to the States in the last 20 odd years, a few times I've been to different parts of the States and like I've heard like the fentanyl, uh, the drugs and seeing videos like there was one guy driving around. I don't know, was it Philadelphia where it was like driving for 30 minutes and looking at people no. like zombies. And then I no. hear there's quarter of a million dying a year on this. I mean, that's all hush hush. People don't really hear that. That is outstanding. That's so scary to see that. Like, well, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that is because we're so used to seeing the hordes of humanity and we focus on that, right? There's when there's open borders, the drugs pour in. And I can draw a straight line from open borders to overdose deaths in America. So fentanyl for your viewers is a very cheap synthetic opioid that they use to cut and use into cocaine and heroin. So, and it's very deadly, like a little drop of salt that you put on your steak or hamburger 
If you just take a little bit of that and take it, there's a good chance you're going to die from fentanyl. It's powerful. Uh, we, the, we use it in, in hospitals for cancer patients, severe pain, because um, it's 50 times more powerful than morphine and 100 times more powerful than heroin or, or vice versa. I can't remember uh, if I got them switched, but it's that kind of powerful drug. But it makes you a zombie. So under Trump, his last year under Trump, he was adamant that we've got to stop this drug trafficking because 50,000 U.S. citizens were overdosing every year. Fast forward to Biden's second year, he has already over doubled that. We're at 107,000. All data is showing that we're going to be at 150,000 by the end of his third term. There's a direct correlation to open borders and hard narco. They know and it's, it's probably it's probably a lot more because there's so many people that are undocumented. And when somebody is kind of like homeless or whatever, they don't really document these things because they're trying to keep the fingers down. Every everything is doctored to make it look better than it really is. I absolutely agree with you. I just wrote an article on Substack, my Substack, where I, I just made that same point. You cannot. I'm very sad to say this. You cannot trust our government on any data. It is all a lie. And I've watched it from an immigration expert. I've watched the data come in from multiple sources. And they're, they're, like, they're like serial liars, where a serial liar can't really remember all the lies he's told. And that's how he gets caught. Same thing with the government. These agencies are coming up with these wild numbers. And they forget what they said yesterday or last week or last month. But men like me are sitting here documenting. And we're like, Nope, you said this number last month, and now you're saying it's 100,000 less? No, no. So when you look at the drugs, and you're right, in our major cities, Philadelphia, New York, Denver, Atlanta, on and on and on and on, LA, San Francisco, we have, if you ever watched the show, the zombie show, The Walking Dead, they look like zombies. They literally hunch over and stay in a, in a, in a position for hours. Um, our nation is riddled with crime and riddled with, with hard narcotic overdoses. And, and you're right, they're not counting all of them. I know they're not counting all of them. But when you look at, and I think this is very important for uh, your, your audience to, to understand in America, on the border, the Mexican drug cartels run everything. They own everything. So anybody that crosses the border, like those African men that I told you cross, they don't cross because, hey, I decided to cross here. No, you got permission from that drug cartel member that you can cross here and you're gonna pay him. So those thousand, those men that were, were crossing the border there where I talked about earlier, their, their payment just to cross the border and squat was $1,000 a person. So we're talking about a multi-billion dollar business of human smuggling. And, and just for those that wouldn't know, if for someone in Cameroon or whatever, you wouldn't, you couldn't make that in a year, like because some of the salaries no. that they would make would be pennies. So you're going to come here and you're going to work it off. And the and think think of the brutality of the the cartels that I'm going to go into a country in America, 330 million people, and I'm going to I'm going to kind of just dissolve into that. But because you're so violent, I'm so scared that you're going to find me or find my family and kill me that I'm going to do whatever you say to pay that thousand or ten thousand or fifty thousand dollars off of my smuggling fee. So the cartels own everything. They move large groups of people. So whatever minimal 
law enforcement presence there is, either local law enforcement, sheriffs, or border patrol, we go to that. And now you have open border where you're driving 18 wheelers full of, of cocaine and heroin and fentanyl into America. This is happening every day, all day. I used to run a station, Northern, Northern station. We have two major highways, Interstate 5 and Interstate 15 that run right up California. California has like 37 million people. So it, it, it's huge, right? And it comes straight up from the border. We used to patrol that on highway interdiction and, and with our local partners and, and really hit those highways hard for human and, and, and narcotic smuggling. There's no one on the board, no one on those roads now, Roy. They're free. There's no one patrolling our borders and our roads in America. And you have to ask yourself again, we have to go back to this. Why would our government, why would any government do this on purpose? And the only reason is because you want to demographically change America, fundamentally change it and create it in a different way that you want. That's the only way. It's about votes, which is power, and it's about cheap labor, which is money. It, it's hard for people to grasp that because the problem is so complex with so much treasonous behavior, but the reasons are so simple. It goes back to mankind, the beginning of mankind. It's about power and money and wealth. That's it. And that's what's driving it right now. It's unbelievable. And like probably worse is the child trafficking because I've heard a lot are being raped before they even get in, but they're just disappearing. I, I, I know, I, I think I saw it on one, is it 85,000 a year that for the human trafficking? Okay. This is, I am, I'm desensitized Roy to everything. Women being raped. I know it's going to sound horrible. Women being raped. Um, teenager getting murdered, whatever. I've seen it all. It, 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 it means nothing to me. Sadly, this is just, this is just after 24 years, you just, you, you can't get emotionally tied because you lose your mind. Right. However, the only thing that drives me and hits me to my core of my soul is the abuse of children. It, it drives me out of my mind and it, it hits me hard. The other stuff, I don't care. I could eat a hamburger and then go to sleep and not even care. When it comes to children, it makes me irate. Let me give you some numbers, which are staggering, okay? I call it the trauma gauntlet. So when a lot of these illegal immigrants are coming in, flying into South America or into Central America, and they're making this long journey, this gauntlet, they all take the same route. Even the most liberal organizations, United Nations, WHO, Refugees International, and, and far-right, quote, far-right individuals like myself and people that are conservative, we agree that at least, this is a staggering number, Roy, at least six out of 10 women and children coming up through there are raped or sexually abused. Six out of 10. We're talking millions. We're not talking about six out of 10 out of 100, which would still be horrible, right? We're talking millions of women and children are being raped and sexually assaulted. Six out of 10. They say that number could easily go up to eight out of 10. Eight out of 10. That's on the South side. When they come over into America, they turn them in. We just talked about the smuggling fees. Well, how are you going to do it? Well, you're going to be a prostitute and you're going to work for me. I'm going to take your four-year-old child and I'm going to pimp that kid out to all the pedophiles in America. And that's what we're going to do. Let me give you another number. Since 2027, excuse me, 2017, 
to present day, there's almost 700,000 unaccompanied children have been arrested and detained by the Border Patrol. 700,000. They have all been released into America. We do not DNA test anymore, meaning we at least would DNA test a family because what they would do is they would, they would rent their kids out. Think of this. They rent their kids out to be able to be smuggled in. So we would DNA test families to make sure they're, we don't do that anymore. Why would we not do that anymore, Roy? You're, you're, you're talking about nickels, pennies in, in, a, in a, a trillion dollar budget. And you're gonna remove that, that ability for me to make sure that child is okay. We just released them. Mayorkas went in front of a, the congressional hearing and had to admit out loud, our Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, handles all of the unaccompanied, we call them UACs, unaccompanied alien children. These UACs go to HHS and they get them out to their quote sponsors, family members. Because there are so many illegal alien children, we don't have space for them. So we don't do background checks on the people we release them to because they're mostly, almost all of them illegal. So we're just releasing kids to anyone that comes and says, yeah, that kid there, that's mine. Mayorkas got on, had to, had to admit that HHS has, quote, his words, lost 85,000 kids. He lost 85,000 kids, Roy. If, if I, my son was taken from me, my, a teacher at his middle school said, yeah, I, I, I sent your son with some other dude that came here. He said he was your uncle. He, you didn't check? No, I just sent him. We would lose our mind, Roy. We lose our mind as a community, but I'm okay as an American because in, in America, I am my government. My government is not its own entity. It represents me. So I'm not okay with you, the government extension of me losing 85,000 children that we all know are being sex trafficked or labor trafficked in America. So we're finding kids now, young teenagers, 11, 12 years old, working in meat packing plants in middle America at two o'clock in the morning, picking up entrails and blood off the meat packing floors. My son's not gonna work at a meat packing plant at two o'clock in the morning. My son's not gonna be tossed around to pedophiles to be abused. It's not gonna happen. So why is it, why would I never allow that to happen to my son, but I'm okay with losing 85,000. And I know that number I don't believe that number. I believe it's exponentially higher. We have a moral decay in the United States of America. We do not care. This is an end game scenario. We are changing the demographics of America to fundamentally transform America. Those are, that's the left's words, fundamentally transform America. If that causes young women, old women, young children to be sexually brutalized. Well, that's just too bad. They're part of the, that's the end game. Let me tell you something I wrote in a book. I have a book coming out in two weeks. And in one of my, in, in one of this, and it's a whole chapter on the, on sex trafficking in Tom Homan. I don't know if you, you've ever heard of this gentleman. He's very passionate. He was the former ICE director under, under um, President Trump. And he talks about a story. And this is, this is, this is not an exception. This is the rule. This is happening every single day. Like it's happening right now, Roy, as you and I are talking. He talks about a Nigerian family, a mom and dad and their 20 month old child 
trying to cross the river, the Rio Grande. The 20 year old, 20 month old child drowns. Horrible, horrible. I can't even imagine the pain and suffering. Tom Homan goes further and says, after the autopsy was done, they found that that 20 year old, 20 month old child was sexually raped in every orifice of their body by the drug cartel members that controlling the, the, the coming and going. And like Tom Homan said, this is happening every day, every night. It is happening as I'm testifying and is happening, Roy, when I'm talking to you right now. They have rape trees on the south side where they rape women and children and take their panties and bras and throw them on the tree. That's why it's a rape tree. So all their panties hang on there. So all the migrants come up. Remember how the Romans used to take Christians and spike their head on the road so the Christians would behave because they're like, holy smokes, they're this savage. This type of savagery is going on. Okay, I'll do whatever they want. So as these migrants come up, they look up in these trees and they've already heard all they, hell they've been raped as they've been coming up. So they see the trees and they're like, oh my God. So now they're, now they're subservient. Now I'm going to pay. If you're going to rape a young kid and throw their underwear on the tree, you will find me in America and you will destroy me if I don't pay my smuggling fees. Do you see how horrific, morally depraved we are as a nation that we would allow this to happen. And no one's doing anything, Roy. No one's doing anything to stop it. And this is not, this is not dramatic talk. This isn't, I'm not. Yeah. It's not I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole when I was doing this show. And I got on a police guy, uh, John Wedger. And what I found out, it was like, like you just hearing the stories, you can kind of live with some, but when you see what they do to the children. But the thing is, like, if you look at, in in the UK, there was a load of political leaders that have been doing this, and it's mm -hmm. all quashed. Yeah. It's the same in the US. I've heard there's yes. like, like twenty, at least twenty five percent of the Australia uh, Australian MPs. It's probably higher. I reckon a lot of these people get the power because they do what they're told, and they're caught in kind of these kind of situations under yep. camera, and that's why it's all been pushed at the moment. I saw a video there today, this morning, they were taking down the British flag and putting up all the LGBT flags. Yep. And and people are just kind of going along with it and accepting it. And, you know, like we as fathers, like if you look at your generation, that how you dealt with things, there's no way anybody would get away with what they're getting away with. No, but for some reason, sure. because they've slowly picked away, they've got the, you know, the block of ice, they've just chipped it away and people yeah. kind of allowed it to happen. And it, it's sad what's going on. And it's international. It's not just in the States, unfortunately. I see it all over. This is the, Roy, this is the last taboo in society before society falls, is the ability to sexualize and abuse children sexually. We, you look at Rome, you look at Greece, you look at all the great empires, you look at the sexual deviancy, that is the last thing that, that goes. We can have, I mean, you don't have to like what I say, but it's factually true. And, and we, in, in, in this world of dialogue and podcasts and TV and radio and, and print, there's always this, I'm worried about someone's feelings. I'm so, I've never been that guy and I'm definitely not now. I don't really care about anyone's feelings. I want to talk about the truth and what is happening in our nation, in the world. How are we so morally bankrupt 
and evil that we allow these type of things to happen in our nation. It boggles my mind because when I go outside and I go to my neighbors and I talk to my friends or I'm at a restaurant or grocery store, I'm looking at these people and they're not savages. They're like me. They're trying to get through the day and trying to make ends meet and, and, and save for their retirement. But because you are silent, because you won't speak up because you're afraid to be called a xenophobe, a racist, a homophobe, because you will say nothing, you are complicit in this. When are you going to say something? When it's your child? Why is it okay for that guy's child to be brutally raped and killed in the Rio Grande River? But your child is okay. It's all okay until it happens to you, right, Roy? Crime is, crime is something of, it's just a statistic until your car is stolen or until you're beaten up in the parking lot or somebody breaks into your house at two o'clock in the morning and, and, and kills your wife and your kids. This is happening in America. This is happening on the border. It is a travesty. And I believe America will, will ultimately pay the, the hugest price. And that's gonna be the destruction of our Republic. There is no other, if, if this is not stopped, we are seeing the genesis of the, of the fundamental transformation of our Republic. We're not a democracy. We don't flow with the wind. America is great because of our founding documents and because of our law and order that provides us freedom and opportunity. That's being taken away from us. And when, and I always ask this question, Roy, and I ask it every time, what number of illegal aliens coming into our country is going to be the trigger that says we have to stop this. And there's never an answer because there isn't an answer, Roy. We've already surpassed 10,000 under Biden. We're careening at the end of this year to have 20 million, excuse me, 10 million. We're going to have 20 million in by the end of this year of illegal aliens being arrested or absconding. So is it 20 million? Is it 30 million? Or are you going to go for the whole 330 million? to replace our population. What is it gonna be? There's millions of people coming up all the way, they're coming from all over the country, all over the globe, flying into Central America or South America and making their journey up. It's not stopping. There's 8 billion people in the world. 5 billion live in complete poverty. 2.5 billion of them live in squalor and misery that we can't even fathom. They're all coming. Are you gonna do anything to stop it? And I'm telling you from a guy that, that did the job, a guy that has direct resources that are working the line right now as we speak, all the way up to the, to the top of Washington DC and DHS, talk to me daily. There is not one law enforcement strategy to stop this at all. In fact, everything our government is doing is to expedite and facilitate the further entrance of illegal aliens. And then again, we go back to the same question, boy, why would a government do this on purpose? And the answer is obvious. And if you don't like my answer and you think I'm wrong, I want to hear, give me your explanation. I want to hear your, don't tell me your feelings or what you want to believe in unicorn fairy tan, fairyland. I want to know what it is that you think a rational government would do this. And again, Roy, there's nothing but silence because everyone knows the truth. It's like this dirty little secret and everyone just just shut up and sit down and take it. And I mean, you mentioned uh, was like the World Economic Forum. I mean, yep. like if, if you look who's connected with that, 
it, it, it shines, you know, Justin Trudeau from the Canadian, yep. the Irish government, the whole lot of them. And yes. you just look at the lineage of, of who's running it, and that tells you enough. And, yep. you know, people then, like, I've investigated everything. A lot of people were thinking the EU was good. The EU is as corrupt as you can get. World Health Organization, even, say, corrupt. like, the Red Cross and all that, they were they were caught you trafficking so like all of these organizations and people are pumping money thinking they're doing good like yeah. people have to make a conscious decision on everything they're doing because are they really helping humanity in fact they're actually putting the money in the wrong people's hands yep and it's true you look you, you hit it right on the head you look at these international organizations the united nations the un peacekeeping usp keeping that they're the historical rapists they go into these third world countries and just rape their rape the people they're supposed to protect. It it's frustrating from from my perspective as a former law enforcement guy to see and know and know deep in my heart and soul that these people, these elites and politicians, will never be held accountable. Never. We are going to suffer, and we are suffering because of their their globalist feel of being I'm better than everybody um Roy and JJ they're just rubes they don't know anything shut up you have your little hovel here's a little money just shut up we're gonna run the world I mean like you talked about Davos you talk about the World Economic Forum they just they say it out loud Roy they don't it's not I'm not I'm not surmising what they're saying behind closed doors they say it out loud in their meetings so, and then you say, well, JJ, those are just very, very small elites. No, we have congressmen and congresswomen, low level, first time congresswoman, Gonzalez from Florida is in Davos. What's she doing in Davos? And she gives a speech and in her speech, she talks about the importance, she's a Republican. She talks about the importance of dignity and respect to immigrants that look like her and they need, and they speak her language. So we need to allow them to come into America. Well, hold on a second. You're a representative in Congress in the House. You don't know the Constitution. You don't get to choose who comes into our nation based on who speaks like you or who looks like you. We have a Constitution, but no one cares because, and I say this, I have this discussion with my wife all the time and she, she disagrees with me. I'm in, I'm in the boat of more of a realist, and I see America as a fat, lazy, and ignorant group of people that are either two, two folds, either grossly ignorant because they're trying so hard just to make ends meet and get through their life, being a father and mother, working two or three jobs, trying to figure out how inflation in America is destroying all their money. I can understand that to a point. But there's another camp that's willfully ignorant, they don't want to know. They, they just want to know what the talking head is saying on TV. Oh, I believe them. And there is no excuse for ignorance now. I can see back in hundreds of years ago where there wasn't even books, right? Now I can go on the internet, even though you have to surf through the garbage in the internet, there are people, if you take some time and say, no, those people, this writer, Pat Buchanan, or, or, um, podcasts like Joe Rogan and all that, you can become informed on some level. You don't have to be ignorant. 
You don't have to agree with everything that's being said, but at least you have a baseline of intellect of what the hell is going on in your world instead of just watching reality TV and going and jamming another hamburger in your face and acting like it's all okay. It's not okay, Roy. What's happening to America is sometimes I feel as if I'm that guy that's is, is out there screaming in the wind and people are like, this guy's an idiot. He's out of his mind. No, I'm not out of my mind. I'm a, I'm, I feel like I'm a very intelligent man. I'm very um, deliberate in what I say. I don't, uh, everything I come on your show with, I can back up with hard data on multiple sources in, in conjunction with my experience and the people that I talk to. So it's a frustrating time in America because people like myself are seeing the shift and the great reset is happening. And you don't have to like, you can think that I'm a conspiracy theorist, whatever. But again, the men and women that are the elites are it just, just listen to what they say. They don't hide it. They're typical of the arrogance of elites. They feel that they're so empowered and emboldened that nothing is going to stop them, that they just tell you what it is they're going to do. And they're doing it. They believe in, in the, the karma. In the, and that's why they tell you what they're doing. And like there is so much information out there, but you can dig it. They put it on their different websites, but you yeah. have to you have to go layers deep. But yes. unfortunately, the likes of us that are going out there, I mean, I've been shadow banned, I've been kicked off so many different things, you know, Linktree, the whole lot. I just wondering, like, because the information that you have is critical, especially at the moment, because it, it is an international issue. Like, are you being shadow banned? You're, are you getting the proper air? Obviously, podcasts are a great way for it to get the message out, but are, are any of the news outlets giving you airtime? They are not as much as I, so I started about, I want to say I'm new to this because I just retired. So when I was in my position, I could not come out and rail against the government, right? Because they're, they're my boss. I created a nexus. So I'm very new at it. So I, I started to write a book last October, November, found a publisher, signed a contract with a publishing. My book will be published in June. So I've only been doing this for about six months like podcasts, et cetera. So I'm building my social media um, brand. So my website comes out next week. My podcast starts next week. My book comes out in two weeks. I write on substack.com. That's where I write at least uh, two to three times a week on this subject, but I have not been banned yet. I'm waiting for it. But in America, there is a rising economy, if you will, that is separate from the mainstream economy. You take Rumble, True Social, you take those. So if I get shadow banned or I get kicked off of YouTube once my channel gets up and running, I still have another avenue. However, that's not America. America is a place where all views and all thoughts are welcome. And they're allowed to go into a battle, if you will, of ideas. Is your idea good? Is it better than mine? Or is it just stupid? Well, we'll find out. Let's talk about it. Excuse me. We don't talk about it anymore. I, MSNBC, the liberals would never have me on their TV show because I would just ask very straightforward questions and I would give them straightforward data and they, they believe in feelings. And feelings, that, that's wonderful when you're falling in love and stuff. I'm talking about what's happening to America. I don't care about your feelings. I don't care about 
that you're woke or you, you need a safe place. Let's get down in the weeds and let's talk about women and children being sexually brutalized. Let's talk about a slave laborer class of individuals. So you asked me, this is very, I'd like to just spend one minute on this because I think it's very important. You asked what happens to these people when they're released? Let, let's, let, let me explain. So when, when I put them through a, the immigration system, there's multitude of ways they, the DHS has bastardized policy. But this kind of gives you a, an overall how we get to this point we're in. So let's say that I cross, I'm a Haitian man with a family. I will be in the border patrol agent, put them through database, all that, blah, blah, blah. Then I'll give them a notice to appear called an NTA, meaning I'm going to release you into society and you're going to see a judge, immigration judge, but because we're so backlog, Roy, that it's now over six years, we're into 2030 to see an immigration judge. Now, this is where the immorality comes in. So I now tell that Haitian, where are you going to live? Well, he tells me I'm going to live in Atlanta. He has no idea where Atlanta is. It could be Pluto for all he knows. But he gives me some fictitious address. So I'm going to send notices to that address. He's going to move. He's never even going to go there. He'll, he has no idea. So when that individual does not show up for his court date, he becomes a legal alien in abstentia. Also, when I release this Haitian into America, I don't give him work authorization documents. I give him nothing, Roy. He can't work. So now this is replicated millions upon millions and millions of times. So now what you have, Roy, is you have the normal economy where I go and I work and I pay my taxes. And now because of the way that I crafted this illegal migration into America for chamber of commerce, big corporations, now you have millions of men and women that cannot work legally in the United States. So what have I created was a slave class of labor, a black market of labor. Do you see how this is all transpiring and why? Why would I not, as an immigration officer, have a printing machine and print a, a work authorization document as I get this guy to leave? So now I have majority adult, single adult military age men that can't work, can't provide for their family if they have families, are hungry, tired, wet, cold. What do you think is going to happen? If, if I can't provide for my wife or my son, even though I'd work my ass off, but I can't work, even though I'm a hard worker, I can't work because you don't allow me to work in your country. And then you throw me into hovels and my son is crying. He's not being educated. He's hungry. My wife is destitute. What do you think I'm going to do, Roy? You think I'm just going to sit here and take it? Or you think I'm going to lash out? Because they're not going to make a determination of the elites that let me in and J.J. Carroll that didn't want me in. They're going to say all America is bad. They're racist. They're xenophobic. They want to keep me down. They brought me here under false pretense and they're going to make me a slave. I'm not going to tolerate that. And now you don't have... 5, 10, 20 men that are doing this that are angry. You have millions. You have a standing army in your own country and you allow them to come in in a Trojan horse called migration. And now we're going to reap what we sowed and it's starting to happen and it will accelerate over time. But when you ask what happens to these people, that is what happens. It's crazy.
with like i mean america's got the highest medical uh, costs in the world i presume all yeah. these people they got zero cover so when they're sick no. the child has some illness it's like and usually when they're living in squalor they get the asthma they get all the infections and everything because it all kind of yes. don't so they have zero they get cover. free everything so they get free everything so let's let's look let's say that i came in so one of the ways that DHS, Department of Homeland Security, is manipulating immigration law, is they're allowing people to claim amnesty willy-nilly. Millions of people claim an amnesty. So when you come into amnesty, I'm going to give you, you're going to have access to every social service possible, and you're going to get the maximum of that social service. So we put in America Social Security, which is a boondoggle, but I get a fraction of the money I put in. So a guy from Cameroon comes in with his family. He gets the maximum amount allowed for Social Security. He doesn't put a cent in there. He gets maximum. He gets Section 8 housing, which pays for his, his apartment. He gets WIC, which is food, cheese, all that. He gets welfare. And because he's a asylee, he gets $380 cash a month. If he has a family of four, it's almost $900 a month. So he gets free housing, gets almost $1,000 in cash, free education, all medical taken care of. He doesn't pay anything, gets a card and walks in and they give him everything. Their kids go to school and they get free breakfast, free lunch and after school care and prior school care. They get everything. Everything that Americans have to go in front of somebody and ask for and then have the, the ability to be declined for that, they get it all. So we have Americans, we have a homeless population that is exploding. We have a drug epidemic that is exploding. We have, uh, we have, our economy is tanking under our inflation. We are suffering as a nation, suffering. And what does our government do? Bring in under Joe Biden, at minimum 12 million people in his first two and a half years into America that are gonna take the jobs from Americans, are gonna work for less, are going to take all of our social services, New York City, Chicago, uh, Denver, Philadelphia. They've diverted millions, tens of hundreds of millions of dollars from their people that are suffering and dying and giving it to illegal aliens. Let me just give you one example in Chicago. I don't know if you follow Chicago. It's a war zone, right? 3,000 to 4,000 people were murdered last year. It's worse than Afghanistan. It's worse than any war that's going on right now. New Chicago took in 10,000 illegal aliens this last month. They diverted $51 million from those crime-ridden, homeless places and gave to illegal aliens. The city of Chicago is losing their mind. The black residents are losing their mind because you have homeless shelters that cannot accommodate the, the, the vast volume of homeless people in Chicago, but they're taking that 51 million and they're turning schools into homeless shelters for illegal aliens. And the question, Roy, is if the homeless population was that bad, why didn't you turn those schools into homeless shelters for U.S. citizens, but you did it for illegal aliens? It's the same thing, Roy. You're a father. I'm a father. It's like me kicking my wife and my son out of my house, and I take in total strangers, and I take care of them while my wife and son suffer. And some of my wife and son maybe die out there in, in the wild of no clothes, no food, no shelter, nothing. And I take care of these people. Who in their right mind says that's okay? 
Who? You're in Poland. Do you think the Polish are kicking the Poles out and taking in, I don't know, people from Czechoslovakia or Russia and housing them and just, and if they are, that's I'll tell you what's happened in Ireland due to the financial crisis. They were evicting all of the people. People like I was seeing children living on streets. I was I was disgusted at it. And all the vulture funds were buying up all the houses and just so yes. people can't even buy property now. But the sad thing is all the Ukrainians came in, which is if there was a real war zone and it's a mother and child that had really been their house blown up. Yeah, I understand that. But you can house them, you can set up new buildings, yeah. you could put them in accommodation, and yet our own Irish are lying on the street. And that's yeah. happening all around Europe. But, okay, and, and you're absolutely right, and I agree with you. But as, as intellectual conversation that we're having, which I'm really enjoying, and thank you for having me on, I have to, we have to have critical thinking, Roy, and have, the next question has to be asked, Roy, why would they do that? Why would their, our own government spit on our own people to take care of foreigners? No matter what they're, they're, it could be righteous, right? It could be a righteous need that they need. But you just threw women and children on the street that are Irish and you don't care about them. So why? And the answer is because that's part of the game. That's part, we are just, if you can think of this as a chessboard, even even a checkerboard, because I don't even think they give enough crap about us to have a chessboard. We're just a piece on a check a checkerboard, and they're just moving us. And if they have to, they got to flick us off, and we fall off the board and, and go into oblivion. They don't care. They don't care. And I, it, this is not something that I'm surmising. I'm watching it real time. You watched it real time. Your eyes are not lying to you, Roy. Your, your eyes are telling you and your gut is feeling it. This is wrong. You, if, you, if you're watching this as, for, as an audience member, I know you're feeling it. I know you're seeing it. I know you feel like I don't may not agree with everything that this guy is saying, but I feel unease. There's something not right in the world. And I think that we all can feel it at some level, that something is off. Nothing... Two and two doesn't equal four. Something is not making sense. And if that's the way you feel, then I encourage you to take a step back, take 15 minutes out of your busy day and just look at some of the stuff that you and I talked about. I always do this when I'm on a show. I want you to fact check me, fact check everything I say, because two things are going to happen. You're going to find out that, yeah, oh my God, that guy was actually correct. And number two, you're going to become educated. In and, this, and if in you this see the fact checkers saying something is wrong, just know that the likes of Snoops start investigating Snoops, Reuters, oh. start investigating who actually is in bed with Pfizer's from Reuters and all this. There's all the fact checkers are not on our side. So don't fall no. for that one. No, but fact check on your own. And you can. Exactly. If I tell you 85,000 UACs have been lost, look at just Google 86,000 lost migrant children. Boom. There's like a thousand articles written on it. Okay, well, that's true. Well, if he said that's true and it is true, then let me look at how many people are coming. He's saying there's millions and millions. Oh, my God. There is. There's millions and millions of people coming in. Roy says that there's drug dens in Philadelphia and New York. Let me see. Just let me look for videos. Oh, my God. There it is. So if, if, we're, if we're on the baseline telling you the truth, 
then you have to assume that I'm not lying after that, right? And if you still feel like I'm lying, continue down, replay this and listen to what I say and, and go point by point because it's the truth, it's out there. That's, that's the craziest thing and the most difficult thing for me sometimes is how do you not see this? How are you so willfully blinded to not see what's happening to you? I live in, I, I spent 25 years in Southern California. I lived that border insanity. California is the prime example of what happens when you allow foreigners in and they just run the state. Now the state is 25 billion in debt, uh, homeless problem, drugs. People are leaving in, in by the hundreds of thousands every year from California. How, but I live in middle America now, Roy, and I will tell you, middle America has, and they're wonderful people, intelligent, hardworking, uh, diligent, patriotic. They have no idea, Roy, no idea what's going on. Zero. And it's, it's shocking. It's shocking that how do you not know this? How, how do you not look around your city and see the violence is spiking. Well, why is it? Well, there's a, a, you know, a man from Africa, from Nigeria that just killed two people in, 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 a safe, in, a, in a safe part of the city. You never even thought any crime happened, but no one even tells you the guy's illegal alien. Look at the guy that just ran into us uh, two weeks ago, ran his U-Haul uh, trying to get to the White House to kill President Biden. Now we find out they said he's a white supremacist. His name is Mohammed Ab something, something, something. He's from a, a, a foreign country that I don't even in, know of, and he's illegal alien. No one says anything like it didn't happen. Wait a minute. I just part of my part of my argument is you have thousands of terrorists in our nation. You just had a guy from another country, illegal alien try to run, run his U-Haul truck into this, the, the White House to kill President Biden, uh, Biden, and you don't say anything. This, it's playing out in real time, Roy. Every, everything that I'm saying is, is happening right now. So, you know, I, it's frustrating, but I'm, I, I try, to get the, try to get it out. And I, I'm getting to the point now, Roy, where I'm, I, I want to, to reach as many people as I can, but protect my family as the best I can, because this is going to manifest itself across the globe, but more in particularly, more important to the U.S. is, is happening here. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a frightening time. And I think a lot of people are kind of wishing it was better or hoping that a certain politician gets in. I know from experience that in Ireland, there is none of the political parties that are good because I have I've seen how they've done evictions and stuff like that. They voted in things like that all across the world, the same thing. So it's like, I think you have to take over your little town, your little school. When yes. you see the score, when you see something's going wrong, you stand up, you gather together because we see it happening. There's a few people that actually stand up and do it, but you can't expect the guy next door to be doing it. And you just sitting back watching your Netflix or something like that. Like when you see something you don't like, do something about it because otherwise yes. it won't change. And I do agree with you. It's going to start at the grassroots. It's going to be a small town somewhere in middle America that's going to say, whoa, no, 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 you're not repatriate. You're not you're not you're not resettling, you know, a thousand Somalis in my city. Nope. Get them out. 
You're not doing it. But it's going to be, and I write this in my book, when those times come and they're coming very soon, you have to be strong because you're going to be called every vile name in the book. You're going to have violence against you and your family. You have to be a very strong individual to take it. You're just going to have to be. And you're going to have to have a little bit of, I just don't care anymore in your body. I'm already there. And I know a lot of people like myself are had it. We just had it. We hit our limit. The insanity. There's no longer that there's no, you can no longer live in this world of insane and irrationality because you can't, you will lose your mind doing that by saying that a man can have a baby. And, and if I want to be a woman today, if I want to be a unicorn tomorrow, this is not about gays and lesbians. It's not about any of that. It's about reality. You can't, you can't, you're a man, you can't have a baby, but you're telling me that, yeah, no, a man can have a baby and you're forcing me to agree with you. No, I'm not going to agree with you. doesn't mean I'm homophobic. It just means that I know biology. You don't have a uterus. You can't have a baby. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter what you chop off or how you change your, your hairstyle. You can't have a baby. It's the same thing as JG. No, you're a xenophobe because you're saying there's demographic change. Okay. I'm not a xenophobe. There's 12 million people came into America. There'll be 25 million come into America by the end of his fourth year in term. Just from statistics alone, you're going to have a, a, a demographic change. This has nothing to do with my feelings or what I believe. This is data. If I infuse 25 million people into a nation of 300 million, you're going to have a demographic change. I just brought in almost 8% of your total population that I know about. I'm not talking about the other 10 to 12% that are already here. So now I got 20% of my population is illegal aliens. Holy mother of God. Tell me a nation, Roy, in the history of mankind that has survived that. And you can't because there has never been one. So I appreciate you giving me this such a, a large amount of time to really dive into this. Um, and I, I really appreciate it because I go on TV and I do radio, but it's very uh, surface level. You can't really because of time, right? But this is why podcasts are so important. And podcast is such an incredible avenue uh, to use to, to get words out. And, and you don't, like I said, you don't have to agree with me on, on anything. But I appreciate the opportunity to speak and be able to articulate why my views are the way they are. So I appreciate that. No problem. Listen, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. And I'll also, I'll get you on our live po podcast as well in about a month's time where there's about five or six to because they're all international because I believe this message is so important. So you might let people know how they can get in contact with you, JJ. Um, my website, jjcarroll.com will go live in one week. Uh, I will have my first book published and I'll have links to that on, that, on the website. Uh, it's called Invaded. Um, from a perspective of, of a man been in, in the in the war uh, for 24 years and, and now as a, a quote journalist and author. Um, and then you can find me at jjcarroll.substack.com where I write about this this uh, this topic every week um, for free or paid subscription. But I give free articles, uh, post my next one in the next 30 minutes when I get off with you. So again, jjcarroll.com or jjcarroll.substack. So, and I appreciate it, Roy, and 
and uh, maybe you have me back on when my book comes out and, and we can talk about it. Absolutely. So, Thank you very much, JJ. I'll make sure I'll put the links both on the audio and the video. All right. Thank you very much. No problem. So that's all for the Awakening Podcast. You'll find other episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. As mentioned, we're on BitChute and Rumble, and you'll find my forward or podcast along with my coach and buy that link forward slash podcaster. Sure to give us a thumbs up, five star rating, share with your friends. And make sure when you get JJ's book, give him a five star review and share with your friends as well, because that's how more people will hear about the message. Until next week, take care.